You're listening to Once, episode 349, Leaving Storybrooke, full discussion. Hello, and welcome back to Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Jeremy. I'm Erin. And I'm Jacqueline. And we're here for our full discussion of the finale, Leaving Storybrooke. Together. Fuller together. Because we will always find each other. (laughs) Always. We've already said a lot about this episode, but I think there's still more that we can squeeze out of it. So aggressive. <laughs> We're gonna well, like go scene by scene, line by line, and wreck every single piece of meaning we can. And then we're gonna put a whole bunch of feedback in between all of that because we got so much feedback. I will make this timeline work if it is the last <laughs> thing I do. No, you won't. No, you're right. Seven hours later. <laughs> Uh, there's not enough magic hidden in Rumpel's castle to make the timeline work. True. (laughs) I would be totally fine if we just don't even try. (laughs) I know half of our feedback was about timelines, so I kind of want to mention some of it, but I think we all mostly know what the problems are. Maybe one day, somehow... Adam and Eddie will, in some interview fashion, kind of explain who was who in that end scene and what time they were in and how that was all possible, but I'm not going to hold my breath. I don't even want that. I just want them to say, we stopped caring about the timeline a couple years ago. (laughs) You know, just sit back and enjoy that without trying to suss out when everybody exists. That's all I really want now. Right. The timelines alone <laughs> would make one's head spin. <laughs> oh. I still like my idea that everyone got to go to the joined realms as whatever age they felt like being. <laughs> but that's kind but of what it seems like. <laughs> to the to the destruction of the ones of them who are not those ages or um it's weird. What? I don't know. See, I don't know. I've seen people theorize that when Regina brought the multiverse together, that basically it broke the time loop. So everybody is who they are. Um, and there is no chance that like future Regina is going to, you know, burst through Storybrooke and be like, but that's not really me or something. My biggest concern is Zelina because apparently she's in Storybrooke with her family, but also in San Francisco with her fiance. Like that one really messes with my mind. And technically bringing all the realms together includes the land without magic, which I guess that's where they are. So that's okay. But Well, I mean, I'm, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I mean, is Zelina just going to be cut off, like real Zelina, not fake past Zelina, who is now <laughs> inserted into this timeline? Is real Zelina never going to see her daughter and family ever again? Yeah, because she's like 
she's not <laughs> with them on the same like linear right. plane. <laughs> so I'm going to interject here that not only have we been doing thematic and storyline-based discussions this year, but we're continuing that tonight. And I would say even we're probably going to be even more all over the place than a normal initial reaction episode, simply because we have discussed a lot of this in our separate initial reaction episodes. And because this episode was next to impossible to sort into different <laughs> storylines or, or there, it was, there were multiple stories happening, but much like the first hour last week, they kept sort of intersecting. So I'm, quite content to talk about timelines to start with and get it out of the way. <laughs> yeah, my my biggest problem is I, I'm still trying to figure out for sure who the young Henry was. He was wearing a sheriff's badge, which I'm assuming is, and that was something I hadn't noticed, but I'm assuming that was to indicate that Wish Henry found a place in Storybrooke. Yes. Not as a king, my assumption. which is what he is. But as the sheriff of Storybrooke. Right. I guess. Was it a sheriff's badge or just a police badge? Um. Oh, well. Do they have police separate from the sheriffs? Well, because there was the deputy. <laughs> I mean, Charming was a deputy for a while. Oh. And Emma. Can you be a deputy was sheriff? a deputy also for a while before she was sheriff. True. Um. And didn't someone else also have a sheriff's badge, or did I misread that in feedback? I, th- I didn't see it, but I thought someone said Nook had a sheriff's badge. Oh, yeah. He oh. and uh, Emma were sheriffing together for a while, it looked like, right at the end of season six. No, that's Hook. Hook. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Nook. Doggone it. Well. Maybe not. I'm going to hope not. I think the implication is supposed to be that Wish Henry, yeah, found a place in this Storybrooke universe with everybody and that he's there for his mom's coronation because he does call her mom, but he's also working alongside the woman that is also his mom because in Wish Realm, our Emma is his mother as well. Right. So I think the implication is supposed to be that he's working with his family the same as our version of Henry would be. I think, since I'm always offering fixes in vain, <laughs> I think what I would have liked to have seen if they were going to go that route would be for the people we've been watching all year to go back to their time and for Regina to then unite the realms and have age-appropriate people in that scene. So it could have been the exact same scene, but there wouldn't need to be two Henrys, or Andrew West could have played both Henrys, because Wish Henry would have had time to grow up in Storybrooke while our Henry was out gallivanting and getting married and such. I'm going to sidebar, because it occurs to me that the existence of Wish Henry proves all of Henry's thinking that led to season seven, incorrect. He is from the Enchanted Forest. He just happened to be born in the land without magic. Because in the Wish Realm, he still was born. He was part of that story. Oh, He didn't yeah. need to go off to find his story. Any talk about the timeline has just been making my head spin, even though I have opinions about it. Like, I'm okay with Henry, like old Henry and Wenry being there together. 
But there's so many other things like Neil is younger than Lucy and the baby should be Neil's age. Like there's a whole bunch of other things. We have a forum post that Jack is going to link in the show notes that somebody, I think Jacqueline can speak to this more, but somebody very painstakingly went through (laughs) this series and did a a current age kind of timeline. But at one point it said that Regina was like 75. So <laughs> like, obviously that's not the timeline that the writers are using. <laughs> no, yeah. the writers are very much keeping everybody kind of um, immortal right. <laughs> in a way. And, you know, uh, not actually aging anybody up right. at any point. Because even when Regina and the gang came to Enchanted Forest 2.0 to rescue Henry... And help him find Cinderella at the very, very beginning of season two. They hadn't aged at all. And Emma was experiencing a very late in life pregnancy. Because <laughs> she would have been <laughs> right. like 45 by then. Right. But and yeah, they don't think, do makeup or anything to make them look older. Right. Which they can do because they did it beautifully in the Rumbell episode. Yes. Well, and the Charmings from the Wish Realm. Also looked their appropriate, uncursed, unfrozen age. That's true. So many things. So, yeah, I'd say all of our timeline issues have to do mostly with where are the duplicates and and why would you stay in the past, although time travel is supposed to not be easy, so maybe it would have been difficult to get back. But it seems like there still should be. It's like, well, which Regina is queen because yeah you could say regina already went to stay with henry but if all the realms were brought together that should include the alternate enchanted forest which actually ends the timeline that led them to that moment so well and it should include i looked really really hard for anastasia and drizella in the coronation scene and i might have seen somebody that kind of looked like drizella but it wasn't obvious that they were there. So they should have been there too if all the realms were joined. Yeah, and they were not credited in the press release as being there, even yeah. though certain other characters who didn't speak at all but who you got very brief glimpses of in the crowd were credited. Yeah, so they would have been credited if they were there. Yeah. <sighs> so all of that to say, we haven't come to any better conclusions about the timeline than what we've had <laughs> in recent days. And so it leaves us with a bit of an unsettled ending state for Storybrooke, but still some nice imagery, I suppose. Yes. Right. I mean, it's a nice way to remind us that this is a story about fairy tale characters who are kind of by definition um, immortal. They live forever as a certain age. And, you know, I mean, Little Mermaid came out when I was three and Ariel to me is still a 16 year old redheaded princess. Um, And so I think... <laughs> as a way to wrap up the show and remind us that all these characters are going to live forever together in this little corner of Maine is a nice theme to wrap it up with as long as you don't try and think too hard, which is usually our problem. Because I get really wrapped up in the logistics. It's like, if you love a place, especially a whole countryside, it's not good enough to take a slice of it and put it right up next to some other city or something. It's like you love the whole thing about it. You don't want to just take the castle, but like leave the forest on the perimeter somewhere else. 
that's weird. There were so many castles right together. (laughs) And so many peasants who would be living inside those separate realms. And I'm like, Storybrooke's not that big. Where are these people living now? Right. Do they even have their land? But it was big. It was big. And there were tons of like, not extras because they were clearly computer generated. But when they did that like swoop through of Tinkerbell. Right. Flying through all of the realms. There was there was lots of land and space and lots of people walking on bridges and Can and I ask for theories as to why the tower and the ogre were there? Because that's a realm and it's important to Alice. But and they wanted to give us that satisfaction of seeing it again. The tower was destroyed. I guess the troll was actually important. He was. He, I mean, he was supposed to be turned to stone. Like, that was really kind of his purpose. But I guess they decided that was sad or something. I don't know why he needed the tower. Maybe so we would recognize him. But she hated that tower. And she didn't want to be stuck there. So why would that be there? I didn't understand seeing that. <laughs> I didn't even see it on the first watch. I watched everything in, like, super, super slow-mo tonight. Ooh, and saw it. You studied. I, I sent you guys all the screen caps. If the troll is there, that means Hyperion Heights is there, right? <laughs> I would hope not. Maybe it was a pocket of Seattle that other people couldn't get to? Well, if the tower was there, that's from New Enchanted Forest. Right. Why are we theorizing in a series finale discussion? <laughs> because we need closure, and the last sequence opened up so many weird questions. Do you think that this episode would have been improved if they had more time? I mean, <laughs> seven years. <laughs> so we got some feedback about just the finale being rushed. And Anna Maria said this finale should not have been so rushed. The show really should have given us a two-hour episode. In the end, we should be lucky to get an end, unlike other shows. Everyone did get their happy ending. Wow, just wow. Seven years gone so fast. We got lots of story. We fell in love with our heroes. I will treasure this show in my heart. I will rewatch many times over. Thank you, Once Podcast, for the amazing dedication to the podcast. I will also re-listen to the podcast. This show had such an impact on my life. Thank you all for your hard work. I wish everyone the best, and God bless you all. So I do feel like... This episode, not even including the fact that I wish they were aired back to back. Right. This episode could have been extended and then they probably could have done more justice to the story. And I know we didn't have time and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is on and blah, 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 blah. But (laughs) (laughs) I love what Hunter said. Hunter said in Hunter and Jacqueline's initial reaction, she goes, I don't care. It's a series finale. (laughs) Pay for it. (laughs) The show's made you enough money. (laughs) They could have done it. Like, I've said this so many times. They do that with Shonda Rhimes shows on ABC all the time. And yeah, maybe once didn't currently have the ratings that they have, but that's because they kind of annihilated it by putting it on on Friday nights in the no watch time zone. Right. Yeah. I At this point, there are so many things that happened just in the finale in the two episodes that are considered the finale that I don't know that any amount of time would have fixed the fact that they had different people write the two hours and didn't even write the removing of the Dark One's power and immortality into the first hour. 
<laughs> like completely agree. Like were they filming when the last hour was written and so they couldn't <laughs> change it? I like that just confused me. So with elements like that, I just you know, in the in the way you <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to put it. It's like, I don't mean to be harsh, but it's like, we we love the show, but we all, it's like a love-hate. <laughs> like, why are these things done like afterthoughts? Well, like I said a few episodes ago, when you lose your job for those last two weeks, when you have to give <laughs> your two weeks notice, are you really giving it 110%? Well... Part of my answer on that is that I hope that it's more than a job because it seemed like it was a passion project. But to be fair, like they have said, every year they thought they were ending. And so in a sense, they've kind of put everything into their finale seven times. And we saw what they were capable of at the end of season one, which was incredible. Yeah. And so every year at finales and mid-season finales we've had moments that were like wow look what they did that was amazing and so yeah maybe <laughs> they were like well we didn't even expect to get this season so i think for me and it's funny when i think about finales and the story that we've been watching all these years i still kind of think of season six as the end and i've had and fun he- this year but i really i have i think even a Song in Your Heart, which was before the two-hour finale, the musical episode, that for me just sticks out as the finale of the show. Yeah. And you've said that before. You've said that you wish you could change the ending of that song to be not so dark. Right. And then so that's that you it. could just end the show there. End it before the Black Fairy's curse hits. Yeah. I've heard that too. And I've said sort of the same thing. It's funny though, because... As soon as we were back in the newly joined realms, I totally forgot about everybody from this season <laughs> that wasn't in it, that was not in that coronation scene. It just made me remember the last six seasons, not season seven. And like, yeah, Ella's there and yeah, Sabine was there and Lucy's there, but I didn't care. I didn't look for anybody else from Hyperion Heights. I guess there wasn't really anybody else to look for. Right. But... I was just like, oh, this is like, this is what we've been watching for six years. These people. Right. These are who I care about. And I'm not sure that anybody from this season, they had few, if any, lines, which felt kind of weird. Yeah. Lucy didn't even talk for the last two weeks other than to say, dad, or whatever she said. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, I'm... Glad that we got to know those characters. I shouldn't say nobody because Alice and Robin, of course, were featured pretty prominently in this episode. So they got screen time. But I think even Ella and Lucy and Sabine, none of them really had anything. Was Naveen even in that scene? No. No. And Sabine didn't have any lines. Um, I mean, there's like no resolution or anything with her character whatsoever. But they also spent so little time with her that I kind of kept forgetting that Sabine was an actual character in the show. Yeah. Um, you mean you she, mean throughout the season you felt like that? Yeah. Oh, I okay. felt – because she would just kind of randomly pop in to discuss Jacinda's love life or lack thereof with Henry. And then she would just kind of poof out of existence until we needed her beignet truck. 
<laughs> to do something. It was uh, the beignets. Were the beignets in the coronation scene? Because they were a very important character. <laughs> the truck The truck was in the montage leading up to the coronation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You had to get some more uh, beignets one final time. And just real quick, shout out to Galtiera at the forums, who is right now cringing every single time I say the word beignets. Oh. Why? He <laughs> decided that um, it was a word that was being overused really early on. And so he started deducting uh. points from episodes based on how many times they said the word beignets. They say ben- it so much. Did beignets I they... count? Big nuts. <laughs> <laughs> he started referring them as uh, Louisiana donuts because he just couldn't <laughs> handle beignets anymore. So shout out to him because he's currently, um, I think, probably head desking a lot. <laughs> Face palming. Well, you know, I I thought they might have just been playing a little game with us, <laughs> and I was all about it, to be honest. Going back a little bit to hmm. the beginning of this episode, to the intruders. I don't know what in- yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought was cool about this. Besides everything. They, it was like we were having a flashback that was also present day. It was like people visiting a flashback. Yes. Because we've been living with future people and we knew they were in the past, but now they're interacting with something that's still in the past. I love Alice. She doesn't care. She's just like, no, and then we need this and we need this and blah, 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 blah. And do you need me to explain it again or do you get it? Like, (laughs) no tact, just... Help right now. Henry Mills needs our help. I don't care if I'm changing the past. I still, though, since they took the role in Bayou, I thought they were going to just sort of be operating the truck in Storybrooke and sort of go in covertly to do what they needed to do. But I don't think Alice is a covert. Yeah, I don't either. No. So I just don't know why they took that big clunky truck. Yeah especially since they really just needed to go up the road from where they appeared and up to Granny's. Well, apparently Storybrooke is humongous, so that might have been (laughs) quite a walk. Well, they didn't even really need the truck to really get there. I mean, the bean, the sling ring or whatever we're going to call it (laughs) since they went and changed the visuals. I mean, it could have just like poofed them right outside the... I guess the uh, the town line, and they could have just you know do 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 walked across and just made their way into town a little bit. So the time time was of the essence here. <laughs> and then Granny and her crossbow. <laughs> How great is it that she's just running around with her crossbow at all time of the day? It's funny because Storybrooke has seemingly been at peace for quite a long time, like at least right. two years. She needs snow to come up and say. Granny, put that crossbow away. This family is done fighting. (laughs) And we only got three dwarves. So we saw Grumpy and Sleepy. And who was the other dwarf in that scene? Sneezy, I think. Sneezy. Who's um, Storybrooke Mr. Clark, the guy who ran the pharmacy. So we are very disappointed that there were not seven dwarves. I know you (laughs) talked about this. Well, Jacqueline and Hunter talked about it and I tweeted about it. But we did see the seven dwarfs in the montage mm-hmm. at the end. Um, and I guess, yeah, budgeting and actor availability, which is not a decent excuse. 
<laughs> it well, was still nice to see them, but the, it's an excuse at the point where they would have had to actually kidnap the actor and force them to play their part. Right. If they're literally unavailable, unavailable. then I suppose it is a valid excuse. And probably force them to breach a contract that could result in fines mm, and stuff. True, true, true. Yeah. Like, I kind of feel like maybe that's why Megan Ori didn't put in an appearance as Red she, one final she time. She has not been in the show for a very long time, though, hasn't she? No, but her Hallmark show is entering its third season, I think. I don't know. Oh. I don't watch it. If I'm wrong about that, someone correct me. But um, if she's got a contract with another network that will not let her go anywhere. Yeah. And they did show her in the flashback as they well. They did. They did. I think they tried to include people in that montage that they couldn't include in the coronation scene. Yeah. Or the rest of the episode. Like, we got Ariel last week. Right. So. Oh, yeah. Matthew Paul's reminding us that Megan Ori did appear in season five. Oh. Oh, that's two years ago, though, still, right? Yes. Technically now, now that we're done season seven. I loved that Zelina had gone Hollywood. <laughs> Like, was that a common occurrence for people to stare at her because she was the Wicked Witch? Sounds like it was. <laughs> All the Storybrooke kids are like, oh, we know the Wizard of Oz. She's the Wicked Witch of the West. And their reaction is to stare at her and not throw water. Do you want a selfie or not? <laughs> that was cute. It was cute for Robin to talk her into believing that it was her or whatever. Whatever well, that scene was. While was little good. Robin is sitting in the car. Sticking out her tongue. Yeah, that was cute. (laughs) (laughs) It was cute in a way. And then it was like, oh, yeah, that's why I don't like Robin that much. (laughs) (laughs) Also, she wasn't the right age, in my opinion. So, yeah, they did. They took one, I would say, final stab at helping the timeline work (laughs) by explaining the absence of Regina and Emma and our Henry by saying they went on a graduation trip. Right. Makes perfect sense. But after that. (laughs) That's fine. Well, it's a way to explain the timeline, but also a way to explain why they literally don't have the savior running around doing like saving people, her savior job in the series finale. Yeah. Well, apparently she just had a baby, even though she didn't just have a baby because she was going to have a baby when Henry was an adult, but he's still a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Not that you're bitter. (laughs) Okay, if I have to say like one, I don't even know if we're at this point in the podcast yet, but if I have to say like one disappointment that I had, and I think Hunter and Jacqueline discussed this in, you guys knew that Jennifer Morrison was only available for one day of filming, correct? Yes. So I didn't know that. I would have way rather her been in a different scene than in this coronation scene. Like I would have been satisfied with a body double in the coronation scene with a red jacket and have her in the wish realm actually saving people. I don't know. As somebody who that's my favorite character and has been for the entire duration of the show, I guess, except this season because she wasn't in it. I was really disappointed with how they used her if they only had one day. Plus, one day of filming. I watched six scenes get filmed in one day of shooting when I was in Steveston. 
<laughs> so how is one day like literally 30 seconds? Yeah, it doesn't amount to a lot of TV, especially when it's such a big scene like that with a lot of dialogue and a lot of different angles that have to be shot. And it actually took two days to film that entire scene um, because it's funny that you mentioned body doubles. They actually did have one running around in the pink dress with a red leather jacket standing in because the scenes, if Emma spoke to Snow and Charming at all, it was done through uh, TV magic because Jenny and Josh could not be in the in Vancouver the same time as JMO. So oh. so their scenes um, were filmed completely separately. <laughs> That's and, then well, paste, then, and then pasted together. Then they did a very good job. Yeah. I did love someone bursting through the door and saying, sorry, I'm late. <laughs> it just, it needed to happen. It was cute. <laughs> it was cute. I'm going to reiterate something Hunter and I talked about, though, which is how much we really don't like Emma's dress. Oh. Yeah, I, did, I wasn't a fan either. I mean, <laughs> to, it didn't fit her. It didn't fit her at all. It was so baggy around her upper area. I was like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> just take a safety pin and you just gather it in the back if you have to and like safety it actually, pin it together. It actually had no back, which is something I didn't notice until the rewatch. So oh, really? that makes it even worse in oh, my gosh. opinion. <laughs> I didn't actually like a ton of the dresses that the ladies were wearing in that final scene. I didn't like Regina's. Snow was okay. (laughs) She got a pass. She got a pass. (laughs) Lucy had a really cute dress. Yeah. We'll go with that. (laughs) It's like they had their own royal wedding, except it wasn't a wedding. Right. And it was the day before Prince... Harry, whose real name is Henry, <laughs> of England, got married for realsies. <laughs> yep. We got we got feedback about that, just saying. That's funny. Did anyone find it funny that England's Prince Henry is going to be married tomorrow? And this episode sort of captured some of that to an end, or at the end. My questions are pointless. We are at the end of the story. That was Keeper of Squid Ink. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we all know our questions are pointless now. I did a rewatch and then I very, very slowly rewatched the coronation scene. And by slowly, I mean, I just pressed the space bar about at this pace <laughs> to watch it I very, very slowly. space bar didn't sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> to see everybody that was included. So I'm not great with the geography and the towers and the castles that were included, but I did notice the troll in the tower, which we talked about skull rock from neverland the jolly roger what i feel like was agrabah the land of untold stories balloon and then a whole bunch of other castles so did you guys notice anything that sticks out there was like a weird castle that i'm sure it looked kind of like a claw or something like that opening castle i mean that's regina's like her um, banished castle yeah, it's the castle she was oh. living in at like the very, very start of the series. Oh, okay. Because there were a whole bunch of castles, and I, I do not know the we castles. Actually, you know, it's interesting. You're, we were just talking about like space and stuff. But yeah, I guess looking at these screenshots you sent us, they actually just didn't bring the castles. They brought like homeland. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that <laughs> makes me feel a little bit better. But now I'm wondering about the surrounding cities around Storybrooke and Maine, who 
I mean, surely it's encroaching upon something now. It's probably so. like the tent in Harry Potter, where it just sure. looks like a tent, and then it's really like inside. It's humongous, I and I liked was- the I liked the Disney nod with Tinkerbell flying all around because yeah. in the Disney logo, that's kind of what happens. Yeah. Jiminy's journal in our chat just pointed out that there's now a living pan. What? 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 Oh, a living yeah. version of Peter Pan now exists because... Oh, yeah. He was in the Wish Realm. They just can't help themselves. And Cruella. Uh, yes. I mean, they basically brought everybody back to life with the exception of Graham and Neil. <laughs> Which, no, there's a living version of Graham, too, because he would have been in the Wish Realm. Yeah. Yeah, so Graham is running around Storybrooke somewhere with a wolf. Or he still died just like Neil did. I mean, Balefire in that case. Only nobody cared to paint a painting of him. (laughs) I would have cared. Okay, Jeremy. He probably died with a black helmet on and nobody knew he was any different from any other palace guard. Why are you trying to hurt me? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to distort the memory of Graham. I'm sorry. <laughs> really just wish Graham. <laughs> the scenes from the coronation went so fast. There were so many people in that room that I recognized and that mm-hmm. I didn't. And then we got feedback, speaking of Harry Potter, from Regal Hufflepuff. And she, I'm assuming is a she, sorry if you're not a she, said, hey, I spotted Tweedledee and Tweedledum from Wonderland in the coronation scene at the end of 722. Probably not intended to be them or just reuse of costumes, but I thought it was interesting since they're standing near each other and they didn't really do much to change them up. And they that's true. They were there. We'll show you a screen cap. But I don't know that it was unintentional because Wonderland would have been one of the realms that came over. Both but I do feel I do feel like a Tweedle died in the end of Wonderland. Am I wrong? Uh, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. It's been a very, it's been like five years since Wonderland aired. Yeah. But I do, because there was a bad Tweedle, right? But the good one died, I think. Like one was good and one was bad. One was actually helping Anastasia. Different Anastasia, by the way. How many episodes was that show? 13. I was thinking it was 13. So we've actually had seven and a half years of Once Upon a Time something. True, except didn't it air at the same time as Once Proper? It overlapped. Yeah. It did overlap, yeah. But as far as just when you think you know how much Once Upon a Time you've watched and podcasted about, you remember. (laughs) (laughs) So I saw Grumpy and Sleepy and Pinocchio and Geppetto, Blue Fairy, the Tweedles, Archie, Granny, Tiano, Alice, Robin, Nook, Smee, and I thought I saw maybe Drizella, but I think we've decided that that's not who I saw. Did anybody see anybody I missed? I I really didn't see people. It felt like... (laughs) There weren't very many people to be seen that were significant, but apparently I'm wrong. I thought we also got feedback that Anna and Elsa were there, but I didn't see them. So They were in montages. <laughs> Did you see Arendelle? Mm, that castle? No. Now that I'm looking at it again. Just to one more time point out the weirdness of the timeline, but I have no idea why Pinocchio's a little boy. Right? Agreed. Am I, I keep thinking that I remembered that being the final state of Pinocchio. Yeah, but then this is like 10 years later. Oh, I see. And he's still that same 
Well, no, because in the Wish realm, he was played by Ian Bailey, who made oh. a new wardrobe for them to get back home. And he ended in Storybrooke as like our August, way, way back in... I say way, way back. It was season six <laughs> when, <laughs> when, they, when they brought him back for a very brief appearance. But I'm pretty sure both incarnations of Pinocchio ended as who we perceive as August. I thought he got to go back in time and be a little boy again because of all the he good he did or something. Did. Mm. But Matthew Paul is telling us in chat that in season four, he got to become an adult again. Oh, well, yeah. that's right. Why is that so confusing? Because and that's how it ends. Crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess <laughs> that's silly. The timelines alone <laughs> make one's head spin. Uh, but yes, and somebody pointed out you know, there was child Pinocchio, and more recently when they've shown him. At that age, for various reasons, they've had the actor's younger brother play him. So someone in chat was just wondering why they didn't just have the original actor play a little bit older young Pinocchio. Yeah, because he's probably like 15-ish now. The actor who plays him? The actor who originally played little Pinocchio. Oh, um... I saw a picture of the two of them together that they posted on Instagram, which was kind of fun. Yeah, he was in a movie called If I Stay, which was a very good movie. And um, he played the little brother of of the girl, and he did a really good job. It was a very serious role, I think, for him to play. And he did a great job. And he's Canadian, so kudos. (laughs) (laughs) Good job being Canadian. Uh, We got feedback from Elena saying she wished that she could have seen an introduction between Cinderella and Lucy to Emma and the Charmings. Although I do think that they had met by, by this time during the coronation, but she said, I would have loved to see Lucy call Emma grandma. Yes. (laughs) And I would have liked that too. I would have liked for Lucy to have a single line actually. Right. They like just made me like her character by giving that temper tantrum a few weeks ago. And then now she doesn't (laughs) speak anymore. So in this operation, we are both thing overall. I, I again, I know that my questions are pointless, but <laughs> did she not say she was going to have everyone she loved and everyone who loved her give a small piece of their heart? Yep, that that's what she said. How did that work logistically? Um, I think maybe it was more of a metaphor. Mm. No, I think it was pretty literal, actually. (laughs) I mean, maybe they gave some of their blood, which is technically pumped through the heart. Or she got to rip out everyone's heart (laughs) and take off just a small shaving. And when she was through, as she built her not dark curse, it looked like the powder off of a magical beignet. (laughs) <laughs> i think she lined up everybody like from every single realm <laughs> ever <laughs> she ripped out their heart 
<laughs> and like with a small butter knife. <laughs> just... <laughs> this is a terrible topic of discussion. <laughs> You know, she takes a little slice, shoves it back back in, and just yells, next. <laughs> ooh, ooh, maybe she enchanted some other people's hands so that they could help her out. Right. <laughs> if if we were in a, an episode or a moment of the script where you needed an enchanted hand to do that. Well, I think I figured it out this time through. I didn't even remember, when we talked about it in our initial reactions, I didn't really remember a hand being enchanted specifically. But it was hooked. It was it, hooked. Well, Rumpel enchanted his own hand, which is why he was still able to pull his own heart out. He was going to pull out Wumple's heart, which I don't know how that would have worked anyway, but he had to enchant his hand because he had no magic anymore. Right. I'm glad he remembered that because it would have been really awkward if he'd tried and not had magic. Would have been just like a chest punch. We have to have seen somebody rip out a heart that did not have magic. I'm Jacqueline. Back me up here. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So like doesn't have magic put on them at all because (laughs) I mean, technically hook doesn't have magic. His hook had magic. So, okay. But Mm -hmm. he only had magic for one. So has he only ripped out one heart? Mm -hmm. Aurora's. Right, yeah. Which, in retrospect, why not enchant his one good hand instead of his hook? Because I feel like (laughs) it would just be sort of easier, especially with one's first heart ripping, to use a hand rather than a hook. Well, I mean, think about, like, fishing. You don't, like, shove your hand. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but when you're pulling an enchanted heart out, you usually don't spear it through. (laughs) All right. Uh, this has gotten very dark (laughs) and speaking of dark uh, the good queen is not dark (laughs) that was an amazing segue (laughs) (laughs) but seriously I I did think that aspect of the end was pretty fantastic yes agreed I think Regina is once upon a time's Biggest success story, honestly. Right. To go from, I couldn't help, which was on purpose, I couldn't help contrasting in my mind the difference between her entering the room alone, bursting and interrupting the Charming's wedding, and coming all this way through everything they've been through, and ending up with everybody applauding and wanting her to actually be their queen. Yep. Yeah, I think they intentionally mimicked some of the staging Mm -hmm. so we would think of that yeah very much so and even with emma bursting through and saying you know sorry i'm late which is regina's first line in the series yeah they uh they very much made it intentional so that we would recognize how far regina has come because i think even they know that regina is their biggest success story and the one that i think rang the most true and stayed the most consistent Something that I liked is that she did not have to have a man to have a happy ending. (laughs) (laughs) My coworker who stopped watching the show when Robin died, I believe, asked me last week, so what happened? Did Regina end up getting a happy ending? And I was like, no, she ended up becoming the queen of all the realms and 
everyone loves her and yada yada. And she was really upset. And I was like, that's the best ending for her ever. Like she can still have, <laughs> she can still have love in fan fiction and in our hearts. But <laughs> I like that they showed like a non this whole show has been about showing these like unconventional, maybe not unconventional, maybe that's not the right word, but these fairy tales that are not, yeah, unconventional fairy tales. Right. They're not the one where, you know, the woman always needs to be saved um, or sometimes she does or sometimes like the man needs to be saved or sometimes he doesn't and he does the saving. Like it's just very balanced. Right. And she even said, this isn't an ending, which I like them bringing that back up. But I, I kind of thought that referencing the happy beginning was actually kind of perfect. I didn't really understand contradicting Emma saying happy beginning. Well, like it was wrong. It's kind of both a happy beginning and a second chance. Right. But I think for her, maybe like a second hundredth chance. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think those two ideas are, um, very specific to those two characters. Like a second chance has been Regina storyline sort of from the point of season midway through season two, maybe up until now, the idea of a second chance, whereas Emma isn't really getting a second chance. She's getting the very first beginning of a chance because, you know, up until then she was the abandoned little lost girl. Yeah, that's true. Cause they wanted to give her her best chance, but they didn't. Oh, so sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then her her speech at the end was great. But I noted that the very last word of the entire series was hope. Yes. Spoken by the former evil queen. And the bat that's the baby's name. Baby. <laughs> the baby. <laughs> Will she have mercy on the baby? <laughs> I guess we're going to have to just do a Wonderland rewatch. <laughs> um, I liked that Hook had a little, uh, there's like 900 different words for it, but like soother or shusha or binky or whatever, that sucky thing that babies pacifier. <laughs> <laughs> Nookie, what do you guys call it? Uh, pacifier. pacifier. Oh, we call it a soother, I think, most commonly here, but... My niece, my niece has a shusha, so. Whoa. Right? Sounds too close to shoeshine, and that just sounds toxic. (laughs) (laughs) I want to read some feedback from Giovanni. I really liked this feedback. So he, he was talking about rewatching and then re-listening to the podcast. And he said, there was a poignant thing Daniel mentioned in that first episode which is that Snow White's first line as Mary Margaret was, as we build our birdhouses, remember, we are making a home, not a cage. Daniel very adamantly repeated that maybe the series would end with them deciding to make Storybrooke their home. So in a sense, Daniel was right. They turned what was essentially their cage into their home. The following is not feedback, right? And Daniel has brought that up quite a bit, and I think you have too, Jeremy. The following is not feedback for the episode, but more like, grateful a grateful comment to the podcast host guys the last five-ish years i've listened and you've had amazing moments just reacting to your reactions and have had amazing moments just reacting to your reactions 
I don't know a lot of people in person who would enjoy this show and pick it apart quite like you do, which is why you are all amazing companions for me throughout my watching experience, both the positive and negative. I found myself constantly agreeing with Jacqueline and Jeremy's isolated rants. (laughs) 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 Well, all there is to say is thank you so much. I can't wait to see what else is in store for all of you and Noodle Mix Network. I hope I get to keep listening to y'all all the way from the south of the border. I'm sure we will always find each other online. (laughs) That was cute. That's awesome. Thank you. I'm glad there's somebody out there who enjoys the isolated rants that Jeremy and I tend to go on. (laughs) Right. I'm sure we've all had moments of, well, Jeremy, I know you had a lot of people tweeting at you every time the show did something that you had ranted about. Yeah, especially Squid Ink. If Squid Ink was mentioned, I got tweets. (laughs) One last thing from the coronation that I noticed just to be, well, I guess I'm not the token girl tonight because Jacqueline's on the podcast too, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm used to being the only girl. And I noticed that Alice's dress was very enchanted forest. It was blue. It was very pretty. And then Robin was totally wearing a floral print hippie dress. (laughs) A floral print hippie dress. (laughs) It was. It was like one of those long, like floral dresses that we wear in our world (laughs) so that was we are both right it was cute Mm -hmm. i think robin was one of the only people wearing our type of clothing everyone else seemed dressed for the ball yeah henry was wearing a suit oh that's true like a traditional suit and hunter when we got photos for this episode um for the spoilers hunter noticed that there was a guy who very much looked like he was going to prom like, he had the most <laughs> ridiculous, giant, powder blue bow tie on. Um, he's actually standing behind Cinderella and Henry. It's just this ludicrous tuxedo with this blue bow. <laughs> I do think that when there are scenes like this, <laughs> they do reuse costumes. And I think for this show specifically, they would have enough costumes to reuse that they wouldn't have to go to other shows. But I know... I know that, um, Jacqueline, did you watch Roswell? Yes. yes so they I did. reused the robes from Buffy's graduation episode in Roswell's graduation episode. Oh, nice. So, like, you can tell because it's the colors and all of that stuff. And so I think that they could have reused costumes from shows that were filming around the area. There was also a little girl who I was like, is that an important little girl? But she was wearing like a blue sash kind of dressy thing maybe she was maybe that was from some show where they all had there was a lot of that prom blue that you're talking about mm-hmm. well maybe the guy in the prom tuxedo was from that 70s realm <laughs> <laughs> the fictional fictional that 70s realm fictional 70s <laughs> oh i thought it would have been really cute well other than them inviting us to be extras in this scene because <laughs> they totally should have done that <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they did this. They probably didn't. I don't know what made me think of this other than the flashback of baby Emma. But that baby that they had (laughs) is, you know, seven years old now. Actually, potentially more because they filmed the pilot almost a year before (gasps) it aired. Anyway, thing to think about. (laughs) It would have been cool if they had like that baby as an extra as an adult, as like a, as a child. Yeah. 
Oh, they, yeah. In one of the Easter eggs on the Blu-rays, the season one Blu-rays, they introduced her in everything. I just can't remember what her name was. Really? Yeah, because they yeah. did a behind the scenes of filming that scene. And we met her mom and we met her. And I, I feel like her name was like... Oh, I see what you mean. Tatiana or something. It would be funny if it was Anastasia. She was probably just not available. <laughs> or she was that little girl in the background. I just think right. it would have been cute. And then they could have told us about it in the inevitable episode commentary that should come out with the Blu-rays. That'll be fun when the season comes out. See what extras there are. <laughs> and we should be bringing an unboxing video to everyone yay most likely are you gonna fly me to uh, cincinnati for that <sighs> we'll talk <laughs> <laughs> do you know who wasn't at the coronation scene rumpelstiltskin because he's dead <laughs> <laughs> i don't think we're quite at that part of <laughs> oh yeah now we are <laughs> so uh which one i guess they're both dead <laughs> yeah, no, there is no living version of Rumpelstiltskin in this show anymore. No more Rumple. No more Rumple. <laughs> I feel like we're uh, laughing at Jacqueline's pain, but I'm sorry. <laughs> it's kind of all our pain. Uh, I thought he went out. I mean, he went out better in a previous season, but... <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, but I was still happy with the way he went out if someone can be happy watching a character they've loved for seven years die well it's what he wanted in a i want to finally not be immortal and he also was a hero sort of sense yeah i have to say though second time through it creeped me out that the wish realm puppet parents were in the room for the whole thing oh my gosh were they really i don't think i noticed that they were watching watching two versions of their son (laughs) die wait his parents were the puppets no the puppets are uh johnny cricket's parents that's right that's right what am i thinking i know who rumple's parents are yeah we we met them they they were both seasonal (laughs) villains they're also both dead except apparently not anymore right so the little puppets if the puppets are alive they were actually going yeah yeah in their little puppet heads well for one (laughs) of the versions maybe right they were probably just confused by our rumple I thought that it was interesting. So, ah, so many things about that scene. I really liked the scene. I Someone said over at the forums, they wish that in that moment when Alice is almost being sucked into the portal and Nook is reaching for her and, you know, telling her to hold on, that they wish that in that moment um, Rumpel had flashed to him and Balefire because that connection is just so clear there in that moment that you know, he's not going to let a father lose their child because that's what started all of this, (laughs) you know, seven years ago. But I like that for those who were paying attention and who got it, that reference is very clearly there. I didn't even realize that. (laughs) The worst (laughs) fan ever. (laughs) Well, there was a lot to deal with mentally. Yeah, I mean, I really liked that scene. And then I really found it interesting that Wumple 
Wumple with a W just moved out of the way (laughs) for real Rumple because he was clearly in between Hook and... But I guess he didn't know what he was going to do. And yeah, I don't know. Like he literally was standing at the edge of the table between our Rumple and Nook who was dying. And then Rumple kind of limped over and he just like got out of the way. And then Gold went and like had his heroic moment. Well, being so linked, it seemed like he was actually in pain having the heart pulled out. True. So there could be that. Did you notice the effect when he pulled his heart out? All the darkness just gathered and flew off of it. Yeah. And then it glowed similar to the way Henry's heart glowed back in the heart of the truest believer days. Mm -hmm. Well, because he got rid of the darkness by sacrificing himself. Right? Yeah. I assume that is what that was, but it's pretty cool. (laughs) It was cool. But I have to say, and maybe this is just my brain, but he puts his heart into Nook and I I can't help but go, so what has he got like two hearts in there now? And one of them is just <laughs> dead. And then he's also got, they never took the poisoned heart out. Yep. Magic. Did it just cease Magic. to exist? Magic. <laughs> I mean, Snow and Charming are walking around with half a heart. So... <laughs> Nook is walking around with two hearts, and it, I guess it just so happens that Rumple's heart overpowers Nook's. Maybe. Or something. Magic. I think someone should get it out of there because <laughs> it's not needed now. Well, maybe okay. they cut that scene. When Regina is pulling everybody's heart out to take a little slice, exactly. she just she takes out Nook's heart, pitches it because now it's useless, takes a, a tiny bit of Rumple's heart, and then puts it back. That's that's and you our know solution. what she does with things that have no value. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so funny! <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> and of course, I liked everything she said to Rumple. I just kind of wished that he'd still been around to hear it. It was long. <laughs> it was long. <laughs> I felt like it could have been, I think I said this in my initial reactions, I felt like that could have been said in half the amount of time and they could have given us like another scene that explained who Lily's father was or something. Well, I thought it was (laughs) fitting. It was. No, it was a good speech. had no other actual memorial. Yeah. Or anything. So they needed to give the scene some weight, but it was just really awkward that he was already dead. We actually got feedback about the lack of memorial slash funeral service, I think. I don't remember who it was from or what it said, but (laughs) we did get feedback. (laughs) Uh, Guys, we got so much feedback from this episode. And then we also got like more feedback than that because we asked you for feedback about your favorite moments throughout the entire series. So I did my best to keep up all week and then I read a whole bunch of it tonight, but I'm I'm trying to include as much of it as possible. And I know Jeremy is too, so bear with us. But if that was your feedback, thank you for sending it. Haven't they had a funeral for Rumpel before? Or was that for Neil? No, they've, they had a memorial for um, Archie when they thought he died. And then they had a memorial for Neil when he did die. Okay. They just showed And then those those, they had a graveyard scene for Robin. Okay. Well, fine. 
Well, I think uh, this and this may or may not be what you were thinking of, but I'm going to take this opportunity to read um, a relatively long piece of feedback from Matthew Reimer uh, because it, it just he said so many great things. <laughs> uh, he even touched on a crackpot theory that I had that was in my brain, but I'm not sure that I've shared it at all. So we'll see if anybody else had this thought. Okay, he says. Hi, Once Podcast crew. Just wanted to feedback some thoughts and feelings about the finale, leaving Storybrooke. Lana Priya and Jared Gilmore were on top form, but the balance of the episode as a whole was off. The episode spent too long in the Wish Realm and not with the people we've been invested in for all these years, or at least over the past year with regards to the Season 7 cast. And despite spending too much time in the Wish Realm, Wish Henry's switcheroo back to the good side seemed rushed. Lucy and Ella got very short shift, a great shame given season seven was largely their story, and I felt Rumpel's death played out with the wrong people. Regina should have been the one to speak with him in his dying moments, not coming in afterwards to thank his corpse. (laughs) 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 Now, Now, this may be controversial, and I must admit the good queen was a nice touch, but I felt Regina got too happy an ending. Once Upon a Time has been a redemption story for her, but I never felt she got the comeuppance she deserved for, you know, being a serial killer. And how selfish to drag all the realms into Storybrooke without their consent. And what's to say this hasn't been her plan all along? (laughs) To seize control of all the realms united in one place. I joke, of course, but she got almost everything she ever wanted. Never mind those she killed. So I'm not I'm not so harsh in my thoughts toward Regina, but I did there were a couple moments during the coronation that I thought wouldn't it be a crazy, crazy twist if she suddenly smirked and <laughs> and had everything she wanted and they were all cursed again. Well you did say that. You you said that for sure. You said what if we find oh, out that this was all still the original curse and Regina's. Like, I didn't remember if I said it out loud or not. You, you did. You said that like maybe two weeks ago in our in our podcast. <laughs> there was somebody at the forums who said that while, yes, the ending coronation was all, you know, well and good and it was a very sweet moment, they couldn't help but think of Cora, who is somewhere in heaven smiling and going, you know, like, finally, I won. <laughs> because that's all she wanted for Regina <laughs> was for Regina to be the queen of everything. And so Cora finally got everything she wanted. It is true. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a really good point. Yeah, so it's funny. And in many ways, there again, that takes me back to season six, where I liked that Regina was mayor of Storybrooke, but pronounced the title of queen. But I did like this too, and she deserved it and earned it and was given it by the people, and she didn't just take it. Well, and it did say some time later, so other than the fact that that doesn't work because Emma has a newborn. Yeah, it wasn't too much later. (laughs) They could very well have gone from realm to realm asking for permission and say, okay, just sign here, and I'll cut the sliver of your heart out, and <laughs> we'll see you once we once we get around to all the other realms. Oh. They could I have. I wish they had just established an easy way of making portals. Maybe, well, if all the realms are together, now they have the white rabbit who can... Be dig. useless because they're all together. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. 
So what's left in these realms? We keep going back to this, I'm sorry, but like, what's left? <laughs> is it just now forests and some dirt roads and like trolls that nobody would want to come over? Yes. Okay. I'm good. I'm glad we settled it. Okay. <laughs> I think no. what's left is, and they all lived happily ever after. I just, <laughs> as we were contemplating the land, I just realized that the driving to the coronation was maybe in some ways parallel to her carriage, Regina's carriage going through the forest to the Charming's castle mm-hmm. before the, the curse, curse hit. Yeah. And I also felt like when Regina said to, um, you know, when she was thanking Rumpel's corpse, when she said, <laughs> I will miss you, but you deserve your happy ending. Now go find it. I thought it was sort of another full circle reference to when he said, you know what you love, now go kill it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of dark, but. Well, but it's, it was dark back then. But it was yeah. One of, it was like episode two and it was one of the darker things in the show. I think it was Daniel's closing line that week. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, it's the same two characters and they've both finally after much flip-flopping on Rumpel's part, mm-hmm. come full circle. How did you guys feel about Wish Realm versions in some cases being stand-ins for what they wanted to do but couldn't without destroying other stories? Specifically, Nook starting to, in certain cases in this episode, be talked to as if he were Hook. Well, I, are you talking about when Rumpel was talking to him? Yeah, I mean it was it was mainly that. It just seemed like there were a lot of and and really saving Nook's life instead of somehow Hook. Yes. Well, I I, th- I do think though that he was referring to Nook as a friend from Hyperion Heights. Cuz he said cuz you were the closest thing I had to a friend and that is only referring to this season. Well, but I I don't think the question would have been why didn't you use your power to destroy me if they were talking only about Hyperion Heights? Because that would be weird. Oh, that's true. I don't know, then. I <laughs> No, see, I kind of agree with Aaron. I think he's just talking about Nook because I don't think in this case with Rumple, you can say that he's being a stand-in for Hook because I don't think in any circumstance would Rumple sacrifice his life for Hook. They were enemies right up until the end, you know? It didn't matter what the other one did. They were constantly threatening each other. So I think it kind of only works if it's Nook. Oh, I, I thought the point was the opposite. That I, he'd come to the point where the the Dark One and the Crocodile could be friends. I mean, <laughs> where Hook and the Crocodile could be friends. <laughs> well, although, no, the... the <laughs> I think if if they had had more time, and specifically if they had cut out a lot of stuff that ultimately didn't matter in season seven i would have liked to have seen more of the nook rumple dynamic in the enchanted forest 2.0 watching Mm -hmm. after alice being friends being more in communication with each other because we saw that a bit with weaver and with um rogers in hyperion heights but we never really got the equivalent of it in enchanted forest and i really would have liked to have seen that and if they had gone into season eight, sorry, season eight, if they had gone into season seven knowing it was their last, 
I think there's a lot they could have cut out and more they could have put in so that lines like that don't feel weird. Yeah. Isn't it great that season seven is seemingly the only season they didn't go into thinking it might be their last? <laughs> <laughs> I know, just that snow globe. I thought they were going to spend at least a couple episodes in it. <laughs> I mean, there was suddenly a cabin. Yes, yes, that was amazing. The The cabin is, or the, the snow globe is like the TARDIS. It's bigger on the inside. <laughs> right. there's, there's an entire cabin inside there. It's like they created a whole set just to get Ella and Lucy away from, and Henry away from Rumple and Nook so they could talk. For like 45 seconds, and then right. Maui's hook. <laughs> now, now, I know you guys talked about it, Jacqueline, in your episode, but did you think, you seem to think that Alice maybe conjured that? Maybe. Um, we've sort of learned that Alice is magical and can make impossible things happen. And there was a really great theory. Um, I can't remember who floated it at the forums that stated because she is born, one of her parents is literally a wish realm character. She has wish magic. She can wish things into existence. And so she sort of wishes that, that hook into the snow globe in order to free her father and her adopted father slash guardian hmm. <laughs> interesting i was trying to figure out if she could have brought it from storybrook in some way well the last I don't remember time where it ended up the last time we saw it was in nightfall yeah if anything she should have brought it from hyperion heights mm. if it had been in the locker maybe that was like an edited out scene of her oh, rushing right. through the locker, just looking for everything that could help. Maybe she just found it in her backpack somehow. Oh, because that true. happens all the time. True. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with that. I like that theory. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to apologize to the podcast. I had not seen Moana yet when that hook came into an episode. And so I didn't know it was Maui's hook. I did watch Moana shortly thereafter, and I do remember sharing about that because there was a theory that was relevant. But yeah, I totally missed that because technically it should have been able to transform her into a bird that could have flown into the thing and gotten everybody out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeremy, that's what Maui's hook does in Moana. Oh, oh, it transforms that a, him. A spoiler. It transforms him into gone- other animals and stuff. I see. You've just gone full out spoiler. Well, fine. <laughs> I have, still I'm sorry. Seen what it. was the ending of Lost? I'm sorry. What? Mm. See, I don't do that. I'm sorry. And Darth Vader is whose father? What? Trying to type really quietly. Okay. There we go. Why are you humming Rock a Pine Baby or something? I don't know. What else am I going to sing? Something from Moana. Moana. Clearly. Uh, well, dang. <laughs> Just sing the words I am Moana really, really powerfully and loudly and you'll be good. Stop it. <laughs> I am Moana. Oh. Well, all right then. So just briefly, do we understand what exactly was happening with Wumple's 
end game plans? No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Blood magic. I mean, Blood magic. I assume every character gets sucked into their own book into whatever would be like the worst possible scenario. Right. Something so they would be alone. Yeah. I was trying to figure out precisely how, since he didn't seem to employ Wish Henry in writing them, I didn't understand how the darkening of the author's heart was causing the stories to open portals and become real. Well, it had something to do with the emotional aspect too, right? Because he, when he used poor Mother Superior... (laughs) <laughs> slash wish realm blue fairy did she ever get out no it's fantastic she's in the coronation scene our oh, okay. blue fairy is maybe <laughs> no no i need we are to, both i need to believe that sneaky fairy <laughs> is the only one who got sucked into this book like it makes me so happy to know that sneaky fairy is trapped <laughs> all right <laughs> i never got my sneaky fairy big bad you know seasonal arc so this is like a nice second place for me yeah and rumple loves doing that i mean remember the hat yeah <laughs> that's right the i hat. remember i remember asking you jeremy in initial reactions if you understood this loophole and we didn't yeah. and we still don't i think that Perhaps Adam and Eddie have some sort of headcanon about the author power and how it works. <laughs> and they just didn't feel like sharing it with the rest fully, of the class. Right. Something that hasn't fully made its way into the show because there was everybody getting trapped in the book the one time at the end of season four. Yeah. Heroes and villains. Yep. Yeah. And that was, I mean, I've said many times that was weird anyway. and and this seemed similar to that in some way except that it wasn't enough apparently this time for the author to write something he actually had to do something else which yes we said before that the the plot was really just a vehicle and so we got all those great moments with (laughs) regina and wish henry well he could have written it but he had no ink so this was the loophole of having no ink left Oh, thank you. Thank you. So there so there was a limitation stated only by a line. Right. And then they had to overcome that. That never happens in this show, though, so you should just forgive it. No, it's true. Squid ink. <laughs> <laughs> and we got one last Once Upon a Time superlative. It was, the books were going to trap every hero from every realm. Yep. And I assume every universe, too. So, like... Not just Universe A, where we started for six years, but also like Universe B with the new Enchanted Forest, which has all those other realms. Right. You would think that a realm was kind of a universe, but apparently not, because then you can have another realm that has other attached realms, like Neverland. I mean, does anyone else watch the DC shows on the cw they're doing you know like how many multiverses there are there are so many different universes so there's like 20 different enchanted forests and all of those (laughs) heroes from all 20 enchanted forests are going to be trapped in in books (laughs) that's a lot of books and a lot of young henry rage yeah that's true do you know who is every hero from every realm to this podcast (laughs) our heroes right it is true we couldn't have done this for this long 
without them. There's so many things we, as we've talked about before, like when our forums were new and they would sometimes disappear because they were so busy and we had, you have to just keep upgrading things and expanding. And as downloads increased, all of that stuff costs money. And so our heroes have kept this show going literally. And for this episode, of course, uh, like to thank Lisa Slack, Lisa Robeson, James M. Kinslow III, Marianne Lavati, Heather Peckfelder, Jill Sherrod, and Greg Shope. Yay! And if you are interested in finding out how you can be a hero and help us keep the podcast archive online for those who maybe are just starting out on Once Upon a Time or maybe are new to the podcast and want to do a Once Upon a Time time rewatch and listen to the podcast as they go or if you want to help us with any future episodes we may do which we may do a little bit here and there we we have a special episode coming up that we'll talk more about in a bit and we have hopefully our unboxing and maybe a review of the dvd and blu-ray extras as we do sometimes and maybe even if we get an opportunity to go to a conference or something like that, we may have some stuff from that. So if you want to find out how you can be a hero and help us out with those sorts of things, uh, just go over to oncepodcast.com slash hero. I think a good place to kind of wrap up this episode discussion is the kind of epic scene between Henry, Wenry, and Regina. <laughs> I really liked this scene. A lot of people, I think we got a lot of feedback that they weren't a fan of Henry like wish realm henry and i agree but in a in a not in a against jared gilmore way like he'd acted it really well but he was acting like such a brat mm-hmm. <laughs> some of it was beyond uh, i like it was so super cringeworthy when she like put a hand on his arm and he just grabs her arm and turns her hand over and then just slices it with a knife i was like oh my gosh what is this kid well, and for what purpose? But I predicted this. You did. He used her blood for something. For <laughs> blood the blue, magic. For the blue fairy thing. But I think maybe that was just him proving his point. Yeah, that wasn't even his... Yeah, I think he was just being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I found myself trying to remember everyone who is a hero on this show and either was a villain in the past or who's been a hero the whole time, but has had a chance to play a villain version of themselves. Snow White. Right. Because it's like Regina, Rumple, and Selena obviously have done both, right. but also Snow Charming. and Charming, mm-hmm. Emma, Hook, Belle, kinda. Yeah. Wasn't, she wasn't so much a villain as she was just Oh, lazy. yeah, Lacey. And now Henry. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, think I much... don't think Blue has ever p- played an evil version well, of herself. Well, Blue is just evil. We'll just <laughs> we'll just put that there. <laughs> I feel like I baited you. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the all of the main cast really got to because even Wish Realm Robin was supposed to be a darker version of Robin. Oh, true. Um, right. I think maybe the only character who didn't was probably Neil. Neil. Because he was gone before <laughs> anything like that came into existence. That's true. I mean, when he left Emma and she went to jail, that wasn't nice. <laughs> oh, would you put it like that? <laughs> the, 
I think my favorite of those was possibly Snow. Oh, yeah. At the end of season four, when she was <laughs> evil Snow, I loved that. I still just remember her saying, speak. <laughs> Charming's done it in two different ways because he's played James. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also a dark version of Charming. Yeah, I think Jared Gilmore. <laughs> yeah, I think Jared Gilmore did an excellent job. I just, I was frustrated by his level of callousness and evil. Well, yes, I I heard that complaint too, but I also think they were really trying to drive the parallels between Wish Henry and Regina when she starts off this entire series back in season one. So you have Wish Henry who has lost somebody that he loves. I mean, he's had his grandparents ripped away from him. And essentially what he thinks is that his mother has been kidnapped by this evil queen. And so he's out for revenge where he's going to trap storybook characters where there are no happy endings and he's being mentored by Rumpel. You know, they were really trying to drive the parallel between Wish Henry and Regina of the earliest seasons to sort of show how far Regina has come. So I think they had to overplay it a bit so that that would come across. Do you know what made me laugh? When after he cut her hand, he went and just stood (laughs) beside her, not looking at her, but just standing facing the opposite direction like they do as in movies sometimes. And then he was just like, whatever he said, by this time tomorrow, you'll be dead or, you know, some some villainy thing. (laughs) I know. I'm surprised he didn't sit down at a private little table and eat a meal while she sat there and listened to him be evil (laughs) and eat nothing. Because that's another thing villains do. Well, Mm -hmm. they probably just cut that scene. Right. (laughs) That, um, well, I guess we haven't talked about Snow and Charming's like reveal. And I liked it better on second watch, actually. Yeah, me too. Because you did see Charming's little sword twirl. Mm-hmm. which I hadn't noticed on the first watch. I was just like, arrow, who else shoots an arrow? Oh, it's snow. It's going to be snow and charming. It was like one of those moments. But then, yeah, he had the sword twirl. And <laughs> everyone's so happy to see them. I cried. And even Regina. Even Regina. <laughs> I did too, actually. And then I cried, I think, when you guys talked about it in the podcast or today on my way to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was my first big cry of the night was when they took off their helmets. Like, I didn't realize how much I had missed snow and charming until they were suddenly standing there and they could have given speeches about hope until the cows come home i don't care (laughs) i love their speeches i loved the round table like i loved all of that yeah i just wish emma was there and again i find myself contrasting regina's reaction to seeing them and her delight at seeing them versus when we first met all of them yeah right and even after she started her journey toward good, how long she referred to them as the two idiots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. I <laughs> uh, see that while uh, nicknames like Madam Mayor and Miss Swan stuck, the two idiots didn't. It just doesn't have the same ring. <laughs> and how about that speech? to henry yeah another great one but i had to i don't know if laugh is the right word but i did find it kind of funny how earnestly she was looking at him and for how long as if she was like 
like it went with what she was saying, but it was also kind of like she was going, I am going, if you kill me, I am going to make it feel as much like you are killing your mother as possible. <laughs> he learned that it's really hard to stab someone who's looking at you with this really loving smile on your face, on their face. <laughs> And then he turned toward the good side just as fast as Rhonda did when Regina gave her the same treatment. Well, actually, (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember if I've shared this in the podcast before or not, but um, there was an episode of Grey's Anatomy where it's so old. I shouldn't have to say spoiler alert, but spoiler alert. This man is shooting up the hospital. He's looking for this doctor who he thinks killed his wife, and he's shooting everybody in the hospital. And he goes to shoot this one doctor, and she just starts saying her name and everything about herself and where she grew up and how many parents she has and how many siblings she has and how many children she has and whatever. And it's because it's really hard to shoot somebody that is like a human to you. So Interesting. it's kind of like this too. I mean, she was also trying to get to him in a more personal way, not just saying like, I'm a human, but saying like, I'm your mother and I love you. And if this is how I have to go out, then like showing you how much I love you, no matter what, then that's how I'm going to go out. But it did also humanize her because to him, right. she was just the monster that murdered his grandparents and took his mom. Right. Which really, I don't know how he could look at her. And talk to her and not be at least a little confused because she wasn't at all evil queen-ish. But I guess he was blinded by rage. I don't think villains care. Remember, Snow White was 10. (laughs) 10 years old. (laughs) True. Like the actress who was playing her at that age was older than the character was supposed to be. Like think of little itty bitty Henry in the pilot. That is how old Snow was when she told the secret and this whole thing started. So 10-year-olds are not the most mature. Coming to the end of this discussion, it seems fitting to discuss both what was both the last title card ever, which was the Once Upon a Time logo with the Leaving Storybrooke sign. Mm-hmm. And the last shot was leaving Storybrooke and then just sort of the rainy forested road beyond it. But along with that and throughout the whole episode, we got one more really great score from Mark Isham. The music was just really good. Yeah. Yeah. The music in the show is always amazing. I hope they release that so that we can download it. Right. And the season one soundtrack has been available for a long time, but I, don't know if any beyond that is available other than I think there's the musical episode, two. which isn't Mark Isham, but I think there were two really released. I think yeah, the first two years. And then they've released other like singles, I think, but not full full albums. Mark Isham sometimes if you follow him on social media will post a link to uh, either a YouTube video or something in SoundCloud. Of like he posted scores from these last two episodes on SoundCloud before the episodes even aired. Oh, nice! Uh, one of the one of the suites that he posted from this final episode was so good it was almost a spoiler. Oh, because I recognized themes, so like like character themes and things that they use in different kinds of moments from the show, and it, it started really dark and then kind of went to something more <laughs> more upbeat. And there were it was probably. 
you know, going into the coronation and things like that. I'd have to listen to it again. But uh, Gator Kid sent in some feedback specifically about it. He said, I don't normally send feedback, but for the last episode, I might as well. I thought it would be good to point out the music choices for this episode. Most of these come from the end of the episode. First, the music they used when showing all of the realms together in Storybrook was the same as in last season finale when they showed all of the realms in their seemingly, quote, happy endings. It's cool to note that last season we saw all of the realms happy and separate, and now we see all of the realms happy and together. Second, a cool way the music connects the series as a whole in this episode was when Regina is first told she is elected as the ruler of the United Realms. The theme is a major, more happy version of the classic evil queen theme, but this time fitting for the good queen. Now I need to go listen to that again. That's really cool. (laughs) Lastly, the best music of the episode, in my opinion, was the very, very last music of the episode and series. When the montage of Storybrooke and the leaving Storybrooke sign is shown, the music playing is a somewhat remixed version of the music that played shortly after Emma broke the curse in season one. This was a cool nod that brought the series in full circle. Thanks, Gator Kid. That was awesome insight. Does Mark Isham have an impressive resume before once, or is this kind of his like breakout? Does anyone know? Yeah, he's done other stuff before once. Okay. Um, like I think he's done some movies and stuff. I would just love, like, the guy who did the music for Buffy, Christoph Beck, he actually did the composing in Frozen. So, which is huge, right? Like, that's a huge jump to go from, I mean, there was years in between, and I know he's done other stuff too, but it would be great if Mark Isham can continue to do something. I'm sure that we'll we'll be familiar with it soon because he, he was so talented. So for once, we can actually close with saying that we do not really need to know what you guys thought of this episode. (laughs) Because we will not be including it in a future episode. (laughs) Right. Uh, But what we do need is favorite moments, least favorite moments. And I'd like to hear about how the show or even the podcast has played a role in your life. Yeah. Or even if you want to include how your life has changed throughout the show, because I think that that is really cool. I know Hunter talked about that and uh, she said she wasn't even married and she's moved five times and she has a baby. And it's just (laughs) I think it would be cool to hear if other people have stories like that where they're like, yeah, I like met my husband at a once finale party and. (laughs) <laughs> we just welcomed little hope into the world no oh gosh. <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> no but we and so we have gotten quite a bit of feedback already we're gonna try to include as much as possible um but yeah favorite scene least favorite scene favorite character whatever you want to tell us about the show and how it's impacted you and i do also have to note, having read some of this stuff we've gotten i maybe don't have the most popular opinion (laughs) about seasons like three through seven, (laughs) because quite a few of the favorite scenes have not been in season one and two, which is what I originally hypothesized. Interesting, And that's not been the case. Hmm, Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're going to have our next episode is episode 350, which seems fitting somehow. And we're going to get as many of us together. We have, we have Jacqueline this week, so we're a little bit expanded as a cast, <laughs> a cast, <laughs> a podcast cast, <laughs> if we can <laughs> be that. Um, but we're, we're hoping to have even more uh, for 350. 
and we're going to share a lot of feedback and talk about some of these things from our own perspectives. And we will be recording that live in a couple of weeks, tentatively on June 12th. At some once standard time. Yes. (laughs) That is to be determined. (laughs) Most likely 7 or 7.30 p.m., Eastern Standard Time, or whenever everyone that we want included can make it. So stay tuned on Twitter for updates on the live recording. And of course, if you're just listening to the podcast normally, it'll show up in the feed when it shows up in the feed. (laughs) And I feel very heavy hearted in saying this concludes our discussion (laughs) of Once Upon a Time. No, that'll be next week. Um, (laughs) But this does conclude our like regular discussion of Once Upon a Time and certainly of this episode leaving Storybrooke. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'll just let that sink in for a moment. <laughs> uh, please share this episode by going to oncepodcast.com slash 349. And who knows, you might share it and someone might be just starting to watch the show and they might uh, be able to go back and listen to all of the old episodes. I certainly did that when I first discovered this podcast before I was on it. So mm-hmm. it's always a good time. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at Once Podcast. That's also how you can stay the most up to date with any time changes or date changes or filming. We're not filming, recording. <laughs> schedules that we might have. You can also follow each of us individually on Twitter. I'm Aaron and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. I'm Jeremy. I'm on Twitter at Phlegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. I'm Jacqueline and you can follow me on Twitter at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. Special thanks to our whole team of volunteers who helped to make this podcast possible. Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanis for editing our episodes, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing spoilers before (laughs) Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums Keb for masterminding our timeline Daniel Jeremy Heather Hunter and Jacqueline for hosting the podcast and until next time when you told me about Storybrooke you said warm hugs and apple pies not crossbows to my head (laughs) and thanks for listening Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode. If you would like to be a hero too, please visit oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support.